Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 103. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. <coughs> Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale. For half off, choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics Inc. Period. That's L E E S C O M I C S I N C. Period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title Looking for the Good Times Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davy, Peter, and Mike, 
the Solo Monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> get Headquartered, a timeline of the Monkey Solo Years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. Welcome to 2021. My Warren Kramer book is finally being laid out and is looking really good. I'm also still working on my Madden Disney books and my Popeye article. We'll be discussing these other new projects throughout the year. Today's guest was one of the Air Pirates, along with her then-husband, Bobby London. She wrote and drew the comic strip Trots and Bonnie for National Lampoon and was its editor for two years. Trots and Bonnie is now the subject of her new book, compiling her classic strip. Here she is, Sherry Flanagan. You're taking control of the whole thing, so, I mean, I could just record my end, too. You're the interviewer. Okay. <laughs> I'm recording. Okay. Oh, you're already recording. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yet. Okay. Um, yeah, let's just do it this way. That's fine. Uh, I got questions here. Oh, good. <laughs> so I'm prepared. Whoa. Oh. are you okay? No. <laughs> I have. Uh, there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> is that a, are you, is that a tablet or a laptop? It is a tablet, and I have a uh, camera that's separate that I hook in because it's a better, sharper image than my standard computer, which is a little fuzzy. So, anyway. <laughs> where where are you? What, I am what? in uh, uh, Springfield, Oregon. Oh, okay. Where are you? <laughs> Seattle. I thought you were in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you, yeah I'm used to people saying, uh, it's 7 o'clock. Is that uh, four o'clock or is it nine o'clock? And it's like, you know, I know, I know. I know. You must be on the West Coast too. You didn't question it. So. Yeah, somebody sent me an email and they said, "Oh yeah, it starts at six o'clock, so it'll be really late for you guys on the West Coast." But they were on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. And they had it like backwards. <laughs> so um, let's see. Uh, I basically just go right into it, and if we veer off the subject, you know, it's just like a general conversation. Well, tell me, what are we doing this for exactly? Um, I have a, a weekly podcast called Fun Ideas Podcast, and I interview just various people that are either creators like yourself or your collector or your writer or whatever, and uh, just try to find out about them. Oh, and, yeah. you know. I know a lot about your career anyway, but, you know, and then in recent times, i kind of gone down this path because I interviewed Michael Gerber, and I interviewed B.K. Taylor, and I interviewed Stan Mack, and it's, it's like I'm going through all the Lampoon people. Yeah. So, can I, will I be able to go online and find those? Uh, yeah, all those are audio, though, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it's only recently that I've been doing some video ones, which I put it up when when we do a video one like this one. Uh -huh. I'm going to make an audio version also because, I mean, mainly we're talking. I mean, I'll probably show some things. I have some uh, book here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, so, yeah, there's a few that are video, yeah, but for the most part, they're all audio. And I've been doing this for about two years. But I've been interviewing people forever. So, um, 
In fact, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this magazine called Hogan's Alley. Um, Very, I know that name. Yeah. They tend to publish like, it's like an inch, maybe a half inch thick, like a paperback book magazine, but like once a year. And oh, it talks wow. about older comic strips, typically. And uh, I've written for it a few times, but uh, they sometimes delve into animation. And I interviewed Thurl Ravenscroft, who is the voice of Tony the Tiger. And they recently uh, uh, re-promoted it for some, because he also did the song You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch for the Grinch special and stuff like that. So <laughs> I happened to interview him 15, 16 years ago. And it was like, it turned out to be the last interview he did. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> it's not going to be that case here, but <laughs> he was 90. You never know, but <laughs> yeah. Wow. Anyway. Wow. That's great yeah. though. Isn't that, yeah, that's really valuable. Yeah. So I've been interviewing people over the years, but we'll talk about it because I don't want to say everything now. We're not well. You're recording, but I'm not recording. <laughs> I'll get your copy. Maybe I'll just have you. Uh, well, yeah, some... I, th I thought you probably would. I mean, I yeah, could. I could, I could just yeah. post a link to it. You know. Okay, let's do yeah. it that way. Okay, yeah. since yeah. you're already recording, and then we'll go well, from there. You I'll know, trust I, your recording. <laughs> I know. Well, it's supposed to work, and it, it's. I'm looking light. at a thing that says "pause, stop recording," and. Okay. Okay. I've recorded stuff before. I recorded right. my friend Dan O'Neill one time. I'll, I'll go on your recording. I've done it before also because I did this one. There's this Australian guy uh, who goes by the name of Plastic EP. And because he's from Australia, he, he doesn't use Zoom. He uses some other, I forgot the name of it. But uh, he took control of the whole thing because, you know, it just works easier for him. So I said, okay, fine. Just send me a link afterwards. And it worked. So, so. We'll do that here, but let me do an official introduction. <laughs> okay. okay. So, all right. So, all right. Uh, this is Mark Arnold on the Fun Ideas Podcast. I believe this will be episode number 103. And today we have a special guest is Sherry Flanagan, who's best known for her work in National Lampoon, but you've done a lot of other stuff and we'll talk about it in this next hour. So how are you today? Well, I'm, yes, I'm good. I have a new dog. So hey. I'm really happy about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how we usually start off the, the interviews, I usually ask the same thing and uh, is uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in cartooning. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> um, I've always been weird. Um, and uh, my father drew cartoon drew cartoons at the Naval Academy mm -hmm. um, back in like 1930. And so he sort of taught me how to draw. And, <laughs> but I think all kids know how to draw. I think, I think a lot of them just get sidetracked, you know, so we all draw. I know a lot of people that could, that were better than me and, and were funnier than me when I was 13. Mm. So, but um, I, I went to art school and um, ended up working on an underground paper because I, I was in art school at the time. Mm -hmm. And they had me like do the lettering on their window. They wanted me to letter the name of the underground paper in the, in the window, you know, so I got my tempera paints, you know, which chip off immediately. But anyway, <laughs> so I mean, when I started, I didn't start, I'd done some kind of cartooning before and I loved comics. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, 
but I, I, I like the print medium. I like the, the idea of having my stuff in the newspaper. So I did a lot of illustration for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, then I met uh, this group called the Air Pirates at a, uh, the Sky River Rock Festival and uh, ended up in San Francisco with them. Mm -hmm. And that led to all kinds of stuff because, I mean, they were busy getting, I wasn't sued by Walt Disney personally. They were busy actively promoting <laughs> getting sued by Walt Disney. And, uh, but we had a big, we had a big warehouse that we worked in and we all taught each other different stuff about comedy and art and comics. And, uh, and then um, Michelle Chiquette from National Lampoon came to San Francisco looking for people to be in a, a book that he was doing, which is now out, uh, which is, do you, you know the name of it? It's um, Someday Funnies, I think. It was oh, yes. Some, Someday Funnies. Yeah. But it's over there. I could go get it. It's a big yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like decades in the making, that book. And um, so so that was that was actually, you know, the first, you know, really... I think big thing, big, big, not just local, because we were, we were working in local underground papers and we were, there were underground, you know, underground comics. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then he came along. And so um, Bobby and I, Bobby London, who was one of the air pirates, we were married and we went, we lived in, we lived with his parents for about eight months in Queens, New York, and we'd go into the city and hang out at Lampoon. And, and that's really how we got our job. You know, I, I teach classes um, to middle schoolers a lot, but mm -hmm. other, all ages. But um, I tell them, you know, you just have to learn how to hang out. You know, hang out, <laughs> don't get stoned, and don't get drunk. <laughs> because you have to, like, be there in the moment, you know, and it's you, right take advantage of your opportunities. So um, I'm not sure that's good advice anymore, um, but <laughs> it, it worked for us. Mm -hmm. So that's the story. And then I, Bobby and I were doing things every month for Lampoon and uh, eventually, um, you know, I was invited to come to New York and be an editor. Cause I, they liked me cause I could hang out with them. <laughs> <laughs> I went. I would go to bars with them, and I didn't get drunk. I, I would sit and sketch them, you know, yeah. and, and write down everything they were saying, draw pictures of them, and write down everything they were saying, and and uh, so they thought I was funny because it was their own dialogue. Mm -hmm. So of course it was funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, so I got a job, and then um, I've done a lot of stuff since then. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll talk about that. But as usual, when people tell me their background, it, it brings up like a zillion questions. So I'll start asking. <laughs> so where did where did you go to art school? Oh, I went to the Burnley School of Commercial Art, which actually became the Art Institute, which is like a big deal because the Art Institute is they have culinary and they've got all kinds of design and stuff. That But we were there to learn how to lay out ads for the Yellow Pages. Hmm. They did not like cartoonists. They didn't, they didn't like cartoonists. Even for advertising, they didn't like cartoonists. You know, they made us do very prosaic ads for 7-Up and things like that. But I learned a lot about the four-color printing process there. 
And that was a super, super good basis for everything that I did after that. It really affected what I did in my art. Now, when you were, were doing that, did, did you try to draw in a more formal style, for lack of a better term, instead of the, the typical style you do, like, for National Lampoon and other publications? Did they, did they frown on your type of individual type style? Did they want a more... Uh, yeah, I didn't. yellow pages type style. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I didn't develop the style that I use in Lampoon and that I use now. I didn't develop that until I was working with the Air Pirates, you know, a couple of years later. And um, that was a big part of our training. And I don't, I don't know whether I'm really answering your question. Before that, I have, I've been like posting, I've been photographing all my old like underground paper stuff, the stuff that my dad didn't burn. I, I've, been, I've been, I hauled it out and I've been taking pictures of it. And, um, and, and it's, it's like I, Chicago Seed was an underground paper alternative. I mean, it was a political paper, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with beautiful artwork and I loved it. And so I would try to emulate what they were doing. They did a lot with like parallel ink lines, a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of, line drawings that that i love so it didn't really look i mean we did life drawing i, mean, mm -hmm. I put some naked pictures on instagram <laughs> uh and uh but yeah no, nothing like the way the style developed because when i worked with the air pirates they had it you want me to explain this to you yeah yeah it's talking shop, so yes, it, no, that's what, what, that's what we like uh -huh. around here. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean. um, I would say there's there was the, the, the idea was twofold. We were all encouraging each other really to mm -hmm. draw, try to um, draw as much like some classic cartoonists drew mm -hmm. in the Sunday funnies or in the in the in the we, daily funnies um we were encouraged to draw like them um partly because you know when you're doing cartoons a lot of it is and people don't realize this especially now with digital stuff but it's the muscles in your hand you're yeah. developing the muscles in your hand in order to you know control especially with a, i never got a brush but you know with a brush it's really with the but with the quill pen very much it depends on on how your hand is developing so trying to draw like someone else helped you draw you know develop the muscles in your hand mm -hmm. and it also um i just i i somehow you sort of grab the style i, I don't know how to explain it mm -hmm. but it, it was very helpful and it also was something that we did was uh, comic jams, which were derived from improvisational theater work that Dan O'Neill had been doing, mm -hmm. and so blast! One person <laughs> would one person would start it, so they'd do the first panel, and then they'd do the third panel, and you'd have to come in and do the second panel and make it look like only one person had drawn the piece oh, wow. so the completed <laughs> thing would look like it was done by one person you could do it with two people or three people 
And so what we did was we would use, we would use just traditional stuff because the object was to do this marvelous teamwork where you're cooperating. And this is an exercise that people would come in and if they weren't good team players, they hated it. And they would <laughs> leave. One guy, one guy just like, I think he stabbed his pen into the paper or something uh. when he was working with it. He just did not, he didn't want to work with a woman, I think. But, um, so, so he was gone and that was good because we weeded out the weak ones that way. Mm -hmm. But uh, so we used, um, like we, one, I remember we used Popeye and then we would also not always invent our own stories. We would use nursery rhymes. Mm. So we kind of know where we were going and then we would adapt them and make them funnier than they. Now, were these jams in the Air Pirates? I've read those a while ago and I have a couple of them, but it's been a while. So, and I remember your stuff look different than everybody else's like just a total just rip on mickey mouse or something like that so um is that the reason why you didn't get sued by the disney people because your stuff wasn't trying to be uh like disney or they just said oh we're suing enough people she gets exempt or something. yeah i um <laughs> i didn't i did not really uh i didn't have the obsession the mouse obsession that the, mm -hmm. uh, that the guys had Mm -hmm. I kind of came along after they had already started. Okay. And uh, I just, I didn't, I wasn't, I could draw the mouse kind of now, but I, I yeah. wasn't really doing it. Mm. I'm only, I'm in the tortoise and the hare, and I don't think I'm in any of the other mouse books. Right, right. Um, now, uh I was going to ask you about your art style uh, because it says this on Wikipedia. I always call that the bastion of accuracy, you know, because it may not be. Uh, but they say your style uh, kind of emulates two people you, uh, uh, two older cartoonists you admire, which is H.T. Webster and uh, Claire Briggs. Now, I'm not as familiar with Claire Briggs. I looked him up in the wikipedia just to see what his work was like but i am familiar with ht webster with casper milk dose mm -hmm. and i got i can see kind of a, re a resemblance in some of your work but was that what you're trying to go for or is that somebody else putting that comparison on you <laughs> oh no i'm totally i love ht webster claire briggs <laughs> they were buddies mm -hmm. so um i actually so H.T., my father, when he was in, I think it was Pennsylvania, it's Ohio or Pennsylvania, my family kind of <laughs> all over the place, but uh, he lived very near H.T. Uh, Webster's family. Oh. And so my father used to go over to, I think H.T. Webster was off somewhere else by that time, because that was like, he was in Chicago in like, I know, like 1916 or something, and my dad was born in 1910. So he was a little kid, but he used to hang out with H.T. Webster's mom. Okay. And I have in my possession this wonderful picture of H.T. Webster and Claire Briggs, buddies dressed as clowns. Wow. Okay. That I got through my father. So there was a real connection, but um, it, it also was, um, I grew up with a lot of uh, nice New Yorker collections in the house. Yeah. 
and I have, you know, the original old H.T. Webster collection of comics. And so I'd been reading that stuff. So when we were told <laughs> to go look for a, a comic style, you know, that's, there are a couple of H.T. Webster cartoons that I specifically zoomed in on. Mm, okay. <laughs> and because they look like photographs to me, Mm -hmm. I mean, the one does. There's one of a bunch of little boys swimming. I forget what the gag is, but they're just all, they're just all, you just, they're in this sort of pond or something. And they look just like the boys that I grew up with. And mm -hmm. I just, I love that, that picture. And, um, and then the, you know, I just totally ripped off my comic character from H.T. Webster. That's a little boy in a, mm -hmm. in a cartoon. And I just, I mean, <laughs> It wasn't like it wasn't like I knew that I was going to build my career on that art, you know, on that art style. I didn't know I was going to go on and have a career doing it. I just like, oh, pick something, you know. And yeah, okay. Because yeah. that's what I've kind of been asking is like, you know, you said you had this kind of formal training in a certain direction, and then you met the Air Pirates, and they said, do pick something you like. And yeah. do, you, do you think that would have happened had you not ended up there? I mean, what was you, what was your goal when you were in art school? Did you think you were going to do undergrounds or a regular normal, whatever, not normal, but just regular standard newspaper strip or children's books? Did you have any idea or you just wanted to get in the business and show, do your art? <laughs> I was 20. <laughs> well some people had, it's amazing they know yeah, exactly know. what they want to do and then other people ah, i don't know but i had a fairly traditional female upbringing that i rebelled against constantly so my parents wanted me to marry somebody from the naval academy <laughs> not bobby Lynn. and like my mother <laughs> like my mother had Mm -hmm. And, um, and I all my, my life, my life's ambition was to find a cool husband. I've had wow. three husbands now. I'm, I, I try really hard. <laughs> 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 it's like, I just, I, everything I did was just to feel like I could deserve a cool husband. Mm. I'm sorry. You know, I just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of forget that, people. you know, because he is a guy, you know, you know, they never say, oh, you know, try to find a wife, you know, and everything. you know, that's like secondary for a guy, you know, and it's like, I forget that, you know, because I don't think that way. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not like drilled in women's heads, usually, maybe nowadays it is, but, you yeah. know, yeah. back in the late 60s. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, if you have better parents than I had, you might, yeah, you might yeah. have actually... I mean, been more career oriented but i i really wasn't i thought there was going to be a revolution yeah i thought we were all going to be there was going to be a you know a whole different social structure and, and <laughs> mm, wow. yeah yeah so um, but i want to tell you i the, okay. the other cartoonist that i loved yes charles dana gibson Okay. who's known for those beautiful women and their heads and oh everything. yeah gibson girl, but he yeah. actually did great cartoons mm-hmm drew very large standing up with a brush on, and an easel and uh, just was really funny. Mm -hmm. Much more interesting than people realize. Well, uh, what other cartoons do you admire since we're on that uh, topic right at the moment? Well, uh, 
those were influences on yeah. my drawing. Mm -hmm. and were there any others that uh, we may not know about? <laughs> you know, I, th I, I really can't think of any other specifically. Yeah, yeah? sorry. No, that's cool. <laughs> well, there, yeah. there are other ones that have influenced my writing and yeah. sensibility, you know, stuff that I like to do, the kind of stories I like to tell. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that, but it's as an art style. That's... Mm -hmm. Now, did you also set out uh, when you did finally start doing cartooning uh, that you would be writing your own material as well? Was that out of convenience or... Did you have a story to tell? I always wrote. Mm -hmm. I wrote when I was little. I, kids do that. I mean, it wasn't like I was weird. Well, I was weird, but it wasn't like <laughs> I, I was odd, you know, for, for, mm -hmm. for wanting to write. Kids, this is something that people, human beings, tell stories, you know. It's, it's right. our nature. Um, so it did not... It didn't, it just didn't feel like, it just felt like something you do, <laughs> you know? And when you're, a, yeah. when you're, when you're there with four other cartoonists and, you know, I was reading or I was either reading or, or, or drawing along with them as much as I could. And they didn't uh, give me the art materials to work <laughs> with until I proved myself. <laughs> right. Um, and then... How much time elapsed between the Air Pirates and working at Lampoon, or was that kind of did that kind of overlap? Um, well, it it overlapped. Okay. And it was pretty quick. Yeah. I think well, I that's think what I thought. Was, you know, yeah, because... I mean, time is time moves slower when you're that age, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> and you know, I'd be like, oh, three years, you know, Oops, yeah. where did it go? But then it was like, yeah, I was in school and then I was, you know, and then I went to, I have to go back and, you yeah. know, what, what was I doing then, you know? And Did, did you have uh, any other projects that may or may not have come through around that time that you can remember or like, was it basically like, just like which school air air pirates national lampoon? Was it just kind of well? Like, it was it was school underground newspaper underground uh, newspaper, yeah. Air and then air pirates and then marriage to a cool <laughs> guy. Yeah, I've met Bobby before. I should tell you yeah. that yeah. <laughs> he was. He was just amazing. Actually, I met Dan O'Neill too, but we could talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> I. I I love those guys, and uh, Bobby. Bobby was just a fountain of information about comedy, and he just knew so much. It was it was such a pleasure to be around him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I met him at one convention, and uh, since I knew he did Dirty Duck and he did Popeye, I had him. <laughs> um, I had him draw an original for me, and he's all. Who's going to see this? And I go, it's just for me. And he goes, okay. And so he has Popeye saying, well, blow me down. And then D Dirty Duck says, blow me. So, <laughs> and he's I have it really, on the wall. He's, <laughs> really, he's really funny. And I yeah. said, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. perfect. So yeah. that's what yeah. I got from him. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, we didn't chit chat very long, but, you know, I think he's a Facebook friend too. Maybe I'll try to interview him next. <laughs> he reminds me of John Lennon. You know, he has that same kind of talented humor, smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lucky you so, to have original art. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get some from you next. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, so at Lampoon, uh, since you weren't in it at the very beginning, did you just start picking it up on the newsstands and you said, hey, this is pretty cool. Maybe I should check their offices out. How did that happen? You mean like when was the first time that I saw National Lampoon? That and the offices. I mean, it's like what pro- – there must have been some reason to go from uh, – Two different things. Okay. Um, so we were working in the Zoetrope Studios warehouse in San Francisco. We started out in one small warehouse, and we graduated to this vast, fantastic – you could drive trucks into it. It was a great big warehouse, and it had um, – it had – uh, balcony all the way around. You walked up the stairs and you're on the balcony. And we all had our desks up on the balcony. And we could look down and there was a table and there was a bathroom with a shower and a little kitchen and all the, you know, about Francis Ford Copeland. You know, yeah, I was going to say, is this the same Zoetrope? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Francis was rented it, us. Was it, rented the same, was it the same building? Because I worked there briefly, and my ex-wife worked there, too. It in was San the, Francisco? Kind of, yeah, in San Francisco. I used to live there from 86 to 96. And I South of the Slot? It was uh, like at Columbus and Kearney or something like that, and it's like a greenish building. It comes to a point. Um, is that where it was? That's where Zoetrope was when I worked there. But I remember the inside of it. It was just really big inside, and there were there were like offices underneath the balcony. There's my dog. Oh, my new dog. <laughs> I said we have a special guest. <laughs> uh, isn't he great? He's so good. He's such a good dog. No, he said like he's gonna leave now. He just had to check on me. Yeah, what's what's um, going on, Monsieur? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I worked for Coppola. Um, well, my ex-wife worked for him for in the accounting department for about five years in the early '90s. I worked for him for a summer when I was out of work as the receptionist. So, and I went up to his um, winery up in Rutherford a couple times. So. Anyway, nice, so nice. that's my <laughs> big hobnobbing with the big celebrities. <laughs> anyway, he wasn't really around. I mean, it was yeah. it was just it was a warehouse they weren't using, and they had the props okay. from THX eleven thirty eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they had these, and I had these for a long time. These j- big jars, big jars with uh, baby dolls in them. Uh, covered with wax. It, it was for the scene in THX 1138 where they're growing fetuses. In I think I remember. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Yeah, I I, I, it's, me too. It's yeah. Lucas's movie. I've seen Star yeah. Wars and Graffiti something more yeah. times than yeah. that one. But, anyway. but it was this was this was 1971. This yeah, was yeah. 1971 72 that we were there. So. Okay, that might have been a different location, but as you know, later on it was. You know this multi-level. It's an older building that's kind of greenish with a kind of a, a spire at the front and the corner, and they have a kind of a famous photograph. Uh, even though they're not the same size of the his building next to the um, 
Transamerica pyramid. And they're like this, <laughs> but they're really like blocks away. But the way they took the photograph, it looks like they're side by side. Oh, that's the Transamerica pyramid is like way tall, you know, and it's like, but it may look like they're the same height next to each other. But uh, that's Coppola's building that I was in at the time. So anyway, <laughs> so how did that lead to Lampu? <laughs> well, I'm telling you that I was setting the scene <laughs> of this crazy people were in and out all the time, all kind. We had, there were groupies and there were weird guys and there was a guy that cooked food for us, macrobiotic food for us. <laughs> um, and, and someone brought in lampoons. Somewhere we, it might've been that we were at a publisher's warehouse or something and we brought them back and, and uh, I'm reading them <laughs> and I'm reading Chris Miller. <laughs> you know, you know who that yeah. is, right? Yeah, he uh, <laughs> wrote, Animal House is his most famous thing, I suppose, but his, uh, but he wrote tons of stuff. <laughs> he wrote really sexy stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I was like always into, you know, I guess you, I don't know what you can call it, girl porn or something. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, that, but there are great stories and I'm really in, enjoying it and everything. And one of the air pirates there was a thing back then. There was the professional, like if you, there was, there was the Robert Crumb underground Artie Spiegelman, which I've come to appreciate more than I used to. Um, you know, we're doing something special. We're doing something that's really artistically important and things like that. And even though Artie worked for Topps Bubblegum and Robert Crumb had come from Hallmark Cards and things like that, you know, they aren't like, oh, you can't do yeah. that, you know. So yeah. um, I believe that the, it was that schism that caused one of the air pirates to rip up all my copies of National Lampoon. Which wow. So, well, I only had like three or four of them. Yeah, I mean, there weren't that many that had come out yeah. at that time. There were only yeah. a couple, maybe. Um, but but nevertheless, it got ripped up, which was so reminiscent of my father burning my stuff, you know, burning all the underground papers, burning my comic, comic books, you know, and these big flaming conflagration things in the basement. So um, so they did that. And they destroyed it. And then uh, so when we went on with our lives and did this and that and. Uh, um, but when we got to New York, we just we it was Bobby and me mm -hmm. so we weren't we didn't have all that peer pressure that was going on in San Francisco and the two of us got along <laughs> so uh there wasn't you know we we didn't have any differences of opinion and we were just you know out for a good time and really Bobby kind of led the way I mean he was yeah I definitely was just along for the ride and he's like borrow mom's car and drive <laughs> into the city and go spend we spent the night with michelle chiquette with some other people and and just hung out in the lampoon offices did, did bobby have aspirations to work there or did oh, it just happen yeah he was he was much more savvy than me oh, okay 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 yeah much more yeah okay. yeah he well i mean yeah i was just so you're just like along for the ride you didn't even really plan to 
to work there, except that oh, you probably showed some samples at some point and they go, Hey, you can draw. Why don't you do something? Right? Well, we had our we had our portfolios, you know. And yeah. I knew about a portfolio because yeah, I was so in art have school. Nothing. I mean, I had, I'd been art school. I hadn't, you know. I wasn't like <laughs> I wasn't just like, eh, you know. Yeah, I was yeah. like a professional. I was a professional person, and I'd been doing. So, you know, we did, we we worked on the right kind of paper. We worked very large. We worked with quill pens, we worked with blue pencil, we all these professional tools mm -hmm. that really make a difference, you know, when you're when you're doing the printing process. And we we really again, we were really into the printing process. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. So so we we morphed into that. It was it was really easy and, and then we didn't we're just like, yeah, we'll do a cartoon for you. And I was like <laughs> I already was like, I want I really loved my work being in multiple, multiple copies of anything. Mm -hmm. There's something about not just one piece, but when you had like 500 or 1,000 or 5,000 or something, that mm -hmm. arouses me, turns me on totally. <laughs> lots of copies of whatever you're doing. And here was a chance to reach out. And I was also very political. Mm -hmm. um, meaning very anti-war mm -hmm. and uh, feminist, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I felt like I had a lot to say. So mm -hmm. having, a, having a, a big audience was just, I'm going to have fun <laughs> doing this. Now, when you started off, is the first thing you did Trots and Bonnie, or did you have other pieces first? Yeah, I that's don't what remember. they bought. They bought, oh, okay. they bought half okay. pages from us. Okay. Paid us, paid us I think, uh, $125 a piece. $125 for a, for a half page. Wow. And we could live on that. Yeah, I was going to say, that's good money then. Now it's, eh, you know. Oh, now, now, they make, now cartoonists make less than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Believe yeah. me, I know. Yeah. yeah, because I've done a few cartoons, and I certainly write articles and things, and, yeah, the pay is, like, it's it's yeah sick. yeah, yeah. No, I'm i gotta check to... i gotta check today for 40 bucks Woo! <laughs> uh, guaranteed annual income thing or what yeah. not annual but the thing they're just starting to talk about now people are saying yeah. you know guaranteed living wage yeah whether you're working or not yeah which kind of makes sense yeah um, so on Lampoon, I know eventually you did do other types of comics and, uh, but for the most part you did Trots and Bonnie. So, I mean, was that the thing that they liked the best or you liked the best or both? Well, it was in the funny pages. Right, right. So, um. I mean, I enjoyed it, so I didn't mind if you did all Trots and Bonnie, but occasionally you did some other stuff. No, I, I really firmly believe in designing a character and using a character and having something that people relate to and not just do one-off things. I think, I think when you, when you have a, when you have a comic character or a comic situation, um, there's just the synergy with the reader right. works better. But was and it's just my personal philosophy. So that was that your choice or was it Lampoon's choice? Because it seemed like everybody else kind of did, like Bobby tended to do 
Dirty Duck and uh, yeah, I'd already uh, there's Idol and there was, uh, you know, Stan Mack did his uh, Mule's Diner and everybody had their thing. And they, they like I did interview BK Taylor. He switched after a while. He did, uh, you know, Appleton's for a while and they switched uh, to the other um Feature, he would do one, you know. he'd do one and then one. And I yeah. guess he was, you know, he liked to exer- exercise his yeah, yeah. brain more. <laughs> you'll, in um, my book that is coming out in May, possibly May 11th now, it's been, it's not my fault that it got postponed. It's the printers. Were... I was going to say, we have a pandemic, so that, uh, you're, yeah. <laughs> that's, you're excused. <laughs> Things so, are uh, late. So, yeah. um, uh, Quite a few of my early Trots and Bonnie stories that I was doing before I even thought about being in Lampoon, they're in comics there. So I was doing oh, that. Okay. And I also, like, um, I did a strip, um, you know, I did Selma Iron Thighs was a character that I did. And I remember that. That was a Destroyer I, Duck, at least. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that, did a couple <laughs> of things with, and I did a thing with her in Lampoon, too. I ended up doing, I think it was in a 3D issue of Lampoon. Okay. It's oh, the one with Stevie going. Wonder in the cover. <laughs> um, so, uh, on Trots and Bonnie, uh, is it is it just you expressing, for lack of a better term, feminist ideas, or is it like more personal? Is it autobiographical? And if so, are you Trots, Bonnie, or Pepsi? <laughs> well. Thank you for asking me that. Um, uh, I'm definitely Bonnie. Okay. (laughs) And um, there's a... In in storytelling, I mean, there's a a kind of a personality of a character uh, that's the questioner in life. and, And among us... There are people who are questioners who are not, they're not super reactive. Um, and I'm not, I mean, if you could insult me right now and I, I would just go like, did he really say that, you know, or something like that. Oh, whereas, <laughs> whereas somebody who's like the Pepsi character, they might pull out a gun, you know, <laughs> he'd pull out, if it's Pepsi, she'd pull a gun out of her right. purse and go like, why can't I'm shooting at my, monitor and I can't hit this guy you know um so and the dog is um the dog is the uh the wise all-knowing <laughs> like I think this dog that I just got I think this dog is psychic <laughs> because he seems to know what I want <laughs> so um I, I have this attitude towards dogs in general. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it really fits that he, he has an understanding, but he, he isn't um, an influencer. He isn't, he's not a protagonist, you know, he doesn't really make things unless he gets to screw a poodle or something, in <laughs> which case then he goes, he goes for it, you know, but, <laughs> but as a, as the talking character, his, his place is to be the, that wise all-knowing character mm-hmm. you know like in star trek you know where where they don't really they can't really change what's going on on the planet you know they're not allowed to do that right right the prime directive yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um 
So um, I figured you were Bonnie, but I don't want to assume. So anyway, uh, (laughs) but um, sometimes she comes across as a little bit naive and then Pepsi kind of sets her straight in certain strips. Is that uh, still autobiographical or was that kind of different sides of your own personality kind of saying, I know this? Well, you'd you'd have to tell me which strip you're talking about. Well, yeah, I probably have to look up stuff. a a A lot of the, I did a lot of griping about my parents. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which it just tickles me, you know, to do that, to get mm-hmm. back at them and mm-hmm. uh, to make them look like total fools, uh, like my mother, you know, telling me the facts of life. You know, that's so, that is like almost verbatim, you know, my mom. So, um, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to, what to tell you about the Yeah, the I'll have to get the book. That's <laughs> how to re- how to relate to them. Uh, <laughs> I flipped through it, you know, but um, actually um, one thing I found out is uh, back in like 1981, there was a French edition. I didn't really know this. Um, how did that one come about? And why didn't that come out here at that time? I probably would have bought it if it came out here at the I same know, time. Oh, it's such a nice job. That is, was um, published and I, he did everything. My friend, Farshid Baruka, who, I had known from comic conventions and he was, you know, he would, he would come t- to the United States and, and hobnob, you know, with, uh, or do business with Lampoon, different people. I don't really know what he did. I just, you know, he was just like a fun guy, you know, to hang out with. <laughs> and uh, so he said, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do this. I want to do, there's two books. One is the Trots and Bonnie book and one is Sex and Love. And um, Sex and Love is the color strips that I did for Lampoon that were like four, three, four page strips of other. Right. Yeah. Those are the ones I was kind of referring to. Yeah. Yeah, That were Trots and Bonnie. He translated, he translated them all. He told me the jokes to put on the cover. (laughs) I just drew what he said to to do and um mm-hmm. and they're really they're hardcover they're beautiful books and for a long time you could buy them on uh, french ebay i don't see them anymore mm-hmm. yeah well now everybody probably wants them <laughs> like, um, but i'm glad you're putting it now is what i mean they, they may what have burned them or something i don't know where you know i had a chance to get them <laughs> by the remainders at some point i did i didn't do it i should have Hmm. Hmm. Now, um, was he just a fan or do you know if you have a European following <laughs> or a French following, I'll say? Yeah. Oh, I get fan letters from all over, especially back when oh, okay. I was, okay. you know, with the Lampoon stuff. I got, God, I had a guy that used to send me like T-shirts and gifts from Japan, you know, and okay. it's like I got to think of what, to, what can I send him in return. And uh, uh, Scandinavia, and um, yeah. yeah, cartoonists. Cartoonists really are. I would say they're easily internationally known. And and now, I mean, my buddies are. You know, they're going to Eastern Europe and getting winning prizes and going to conventions all over. It's really mm. it's really cool because cartoonists are, especially back then, but. But we're like benign people. 
you know, we're not, we're like, as you know, like, uh, we're not like lawyers, you know, everybody hates lawyers, you know, lawyers could be really, really good. Yeah. And they're different. And it's sort of like, what's your idea? What, what, what do lawyers do? But, but car cartoonists, it's like, oh, you, you know, you do political cartoons. Oh, you do, you know, daily strips. You, they don't know what you do, but they know that you won't hurt them. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like they it's like a, you. By the pen. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I love, you know, like if you go like, well, I'm a writer, you know, that's scary, right? You don't mm -hmm. want, you don't want to mm -hmm. do that. Um, but, but a cartoonist, everybody loves a cartoonist. It's, it's no wonder yeah, everybody wants to be a cartoonist. People, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, I, you know, it's funny, like, I read all the different humor magazines, I still read Mad and everything, we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, they all seem to have, like, foreign and international editions and stuff like that, but I never thought about Lampoon. Did Lampoon have an international edition? Did it go around the world and everything? I thought it was kind of mainly U.S. or North America, pretty much, you know, but if That's you're known in France and Japan, I mean... Yeah where were you being published or was uh, Lampoon getting around the world? I, I know them. I think people have always been able to buy United States publications in other countries. You're, okay. Because <laughs> there are people from the United States living in other countries, you know, who want to keep up with stuff. I'm sure they're just available in bookstores or whatever. Okay. You know, just like if you, so, if you wanted to read an Italian magazine, you could find Right. But I mean, like Mad, you know, they used to put out even a British edition, you know, and currently they even still have an Australian edition. But they had like all, you know, name the country, Japanese, Brazilian, whatever in the past. But I never thought about that Lampoon. Did they ever have any foreign or international editions or anything like that? I don't know if they you mean, did. You mean with different people in them? No, I mean, just with, uh, you know, you know, like you said, you had to have your Trots and Bonnie translated into French for the French book. But I mean, was there a French edition of National Lampoon being published? Yeah. So that's kind of, that seems kind of strange that <laughs> made it over there. And like I said, I had heard about that book years ago and I was so like, uh, you know, nowadays, yeah, you could get it off eBay. It's easy, you know, but when it came out and I totally forgot about it until I'm like gathering notes and everything, you know. Oh yeah, that came out. Maybe I should order that. <laughs> you know, but you know, so it's kind of odd. Just uh, my way of thinking that there's an international edition of that. You know, a no American edition. That's all. Um, now, you actually ended up becoming an editor for a couple of years, like seventy nine to eighty one, roughly. How did that? How did that happen? Or was that kind of just in title only? Or is that were you actually doing the day to day? No, I, I, I was friends with PJ O'Rourke mm -hmm. and um, we hung out mm -hmm. and he invited me to do that. Okay. He invited me, you know, um, John Hughes, asked John Hughes to come to New York, which he actually never did, but, um, you know, was working, he'd fly in every month to go to the editorial meetings. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, so PJ just wanted to kind of, I think he wanted to hire, you know, I, I, I never asked him why he <laughs> hired me. Um, I just took it for granted that I was that cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're pretty uh, stable, I guess, you know, at least consistent. I mean, I don't know about. Well, I knew everybody. Yeah. I'd already, I already knew a lot of people who worked there, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't like coming in cold. It was like, oh yeah, I heard my friends. Cause I, cause I'd go, I'd be somewhere like visiting my sister in Florida or something and then go up to New York and, and stay for two weeks and go into the office. And I did a cover while I was up there. And you know, if you, if you, if you go in and hang out, then you'd always get, that was how I got to do those. Is that the one with the pages? The kid in the shower curtain pulling it back with the mother. Yeah, that was, PJ's I, that was PJ's idea. And okay. so PJ and I worked together really well uh-huh. um, because he would write these great comics, you know, and I and I could draw them, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. that was so, that was really fun. Yeah. But yeah, and I was saying it's stable more that you know you didn't bail out and do. Saturday Night Live or bailout and uh, you know just leave and do the movies or like everybody else did. Well, I did I mean, a movie. You actually I did a movie around. with them. Oh, that's right, you did. Um, yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. Um, so, they did, Lamp- so they the, did Animal House. They did right. Animal House, big hit, big deal. Right. And I'm trying to think whether the one that I did was. Maybe before vacation. Well, here's how I know it is that you, it was written before, but it came out after Class Reunion was the second one. And then yours was third and then vacation. Yeah, it was Movie Madness or the original title is National Lampoon Goes to the Movies. So, yeah. yeah. And so vacation was John Hughes. Yeah. Animal House. Well, well, so was Class Reunion. That was John Hughes also. You know, yeah, mm, yeah, and, yeah, but it but it was a flop, and unfortunately, the movie Madness is a flop too. But, oh, it was uh, worse than a, <laughs> than a flop. It was worse than a flop. It was now. It was what was the experience on that? I mean, I've heard that uh, you and others wrote it, and then basically all your stuff was like cut to the point where it was unwatchable. Is that an accurate assessment of what happened? <laughs> yeah, because it. It went from the idea of like 10 parodies of movie genres to yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's why it was a flop. It just didn't, you know, um, we, and I say that lightly, but <laughs> uh, Airplane should have been a, should have been a Lampoon movie. Yeah. Because it's yeah. hilarious, you know, yeah. and it's just like, everything is just really, really funny. And the movie that we worked on, it just, wasn't very funny and i'm not really sure why (laughs) well i mean you wrote it i mean did you watch it i assume you watched it (laughs) and um, said i didn't write it like that or i didn't want it performed like that or you had no control over probably there's not much of me in it oh okay (laughs) it was like six six people writing that yeah and everybody was you know, and I, all I remember is sitting in a room with a bunch of guys and they're going like, yeah, like we'll have a limousine and we'll have a hot tub in the back of the limousine. Mm-hmm. And that is what I remember Yeah. <laughs> in terms of writing. And I don't write like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't I'm not a gag writer. Mm-hmm. I write stories. Right. I could write. Da, 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 da. And I could write you a story that would be a five-minute story. I could do that. Right. 
But, and you might have funny lines along the way. Or something. That wasn't, that was not, yeah. you know. But not, yeah. 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 And, and, oh, I mean, there's so much that that could have been that, yeah. that, it, that it wasn't. So yeah. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, Lampoon was interesting at the time. I started reading it. Uh, about 77 i was too young to read it now <laughs> and uh, because um let's see in 77 i was 11 years old you know but it was perfect for me but then the then you guys started slapping uh the humor magazine for adults and then suddenly i couldn't buy it so i had to wait about three or four years so i could buy it again after about 1980 <laughs> oh, that's yeah it's suddenly because it said for adults even though the covers kind of toned down a little bit. I mean, for a while there, they actually basically had full frontal nudity on the covers. Oh, yeah. They didn't have a problem selling that to me when I was a kid, you know. Oh, the photo, the photo yeah. funny. But once it said girl. for adults, you know, oh, you know, it's like, and yeah. there's less nudity in the magazine. It's like, I can't sell it to you, son. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up getting the issues after the fact, you know, after I turned 18, I, you know, I had to get them secondhand and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> that's... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, what caused you to finally leave Lampoon? Because it went on for a few. I think you left like in '92. Does that sound right, or is that might be late? '92. So. Well, I I worked for Lampoon. I, I mean, I was I stayed in New York. Um, I was really depressed when Doug Kenny died. Mm -hmm. That that was really hard on me. And uh, yeah, yeah, and and New York was difficult, you know. Even though I went on to live there ten years, um, so yeah, I I quit. PJ quit soon after me. Was it and because the magazine just, sold, or did that happen before it? Sold? No, no, no. Soon as it, that was way later. Okay. Okay. Way later. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know yeah it wasn't exact... any. It wasn't any particular. You know, it's it's like, um, you know, I I just, um, you know, I'd been divorced from Bobby for a while. I I when I when I um, left Lampoon, I had a terrible boyfriend. You know, it was really <laughs> mean to me, hmm. and um, you know, it just said that things just converge, and and you just you're like ah. You know, <laughs> but I continued to work for him. I, tr I continued to do the, the, the strip. And especially when Maddie's sons were, were there, there was like a whole turnover there. Because a lot of people just, you know, uh, Todd Carroll and, and Ted Mann went on and they were just, they were doing Hollywood stuff. They were just like, we're out of here. You know? Okay, I, I, I get John it. Hughes, so you, John you... Hughes was long gone as soon as he started getting movie deals. Okay. Uh, so some you, of the, you, you left the offices first, and then you were freelance for a number of years, and then finally yeah, just quit. yeah. I just okay. I just I okay. was still in New York, but I just you know I just wanted to I just wanted to uh, well I did a lot of other stuff, so I can't say I just sat in my apartment and watched TV because I I, <laughs> I did actually did a lot of work. So yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, there's a, a few other books and stuff. I mean, I could ask if that some of them, but like I said, you mentioned like the Thunder Thighs one that was in Destroyer Duck. How did that come about? That was uh, like a, a freebie for Steve Gerber, not a freebie. Um, it was um, 
a one shot that's the word i'm thinking of that was for steve gerber to fight against marvel comics about howard the duck and i think sergio aragones put his first Gru in there and there was other strips and yours was in there and i go wow she does other things besides national lamp and that was my thought because you know i was like teenager by that point you know <laughs> thank you for your wow <laughs> <laughs> well i always admired your artwork now i'm you know, all fawning and everything <laughs> everything like that so you know whenever you know i didn't see you in a lot of different things but when i did i go hey there's sherry's artwork you know cool so um how did that one come about just doing the destroyer duck was it just a request or did you find out what was yeah, you know on? people people just ask you to do work Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, and I, I pretty much did anything anybody asked me to, to draw. Cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and she was like, that character was like, she was, you know, the whole idea of Thelma Ironthice is like, here's a, her power was her anger. Mm hmm you know, her anger could do anything. And I just, I think, I still think that that's really funny. Um, yes. I don't really follow superhero culture. Right. You know? um, but then it was like, it, it's just, but you know, when, when I was, when I was writing and drawing her, I would feel it. I really feel the anger, you know, so <laughs> I'm like, I can't really do this on a regular basis because I, you know, my heart won't take it, you know, <laughs> my relationships with the world will not take it. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I wrote some different things down. You did a thing called this one. I don't know. So some of these, you'll just uh, explain to me a book called drought chic. What is oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> I saw the cover on the internet, but I'm not sure what that book is. So I did that around. Uh, I had a weird period of time. I, I things converged. Um, I went to. Uh, I toured Asia with my mother. Oh. <laughs> and um, and I and I and I came back and I, I was, uh, I think it was after, it was either before or after that I was, I got, Bobby and I were divorced. And I really thought, I really thought when Bobby and I were divorced, I, I really felt that um, I, I wouldn't be able to work anymore. I thought Lampoon hmm. wouldn't want me when I wasn't connected to Bobby. Hmm. And I thought I, I just didn't think I could, I love writing. I love bouncing strips off somebody and I'll do that. You know, it, it's hard when you don't have that. And I didn't have Bobby to bounce strips off of. And I just didn't, I didn't think I had a career anymore. And mm -hmm. I went down, I went down to um, the Bay area and stayed with my then boyfriend's parents and they, they were like I love staying with people's parents because they like feed you and they take care of you just like they're yeah. your parents <laughs> only better yes <laughs> and and um and I was down there and I actually I stayed I had I spent the night with uh Dan O'Neill's wife mm -hmm. uh in Oakland and I'm like I'm like laying I'm laying in the little room that I was sleeping in on the floor 
and I wake up and there's Dan's comics and stories of his comics were around me and I'm looking at it and I'm going like I can do my own book hmm. I don't I don't have to wait for somebody to hire me to do something I can do my own book and it was like an epiphany hmm. and and I'm like okay and I did I did Sherry Flanagan's sketchbook and I did Drought Chic and I did the sketchbook was great and I had them printed I printed them both and um and it was it was just as cheap cheap to print both of them on the same sheets you know hmm. <laughs> um, um and drought chic was really fun to do drought chic was um a term that we were in a drought in california and mm -hmm. it was like the first drought life where people cared how many times you flushed the toilet and how right. much water you were using mm -hmm. <laughs> seems normal now but it was really odd back then and what I did was, um, so I met my boyfriend's parents' house and I'm, I'm like, they have this pool in their backyard. They have this sort of in-ground, not very deep pool. And I would lay in the sun all day and I'd like reach over, I had a notebook and I'd like write a gag or something. I'd write something in the notebook and then I'd go jump in the pool to cool off. And then I'd come back <laughs> and do it all over again. And then I'd go in and I'd like be drawing these gags at like mm -hmm. 11 o'clock at night in their house, in their mm -hmm. little office. And that's how I did Drought Chic. I was just wow. like a, working away at it and doing it. I, I really wanted to, um, I really wanted, I got some great press actually. I got interviewed mm -hmm. um, from the local press and I really wanted to uh, um, sell it in, um, you know, like tourist places, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just, you can do it, but then dis distrib distribution is a whole other thing. Yeah. So, as you know. Well, yeah. It's yeah. a little bit easier now that we have things like Amazon, but, you know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It was, <laughs> like, it was like distribution <laughs> was... And, and people made their... Dis my friends made their careers as distributors by putting, you know, boxes of high times in the trunk of their car and driving all over the state. Uh, yeah. And, and became like had million dollar businesses which was a lot back then right. and, um, but, and that's how you had to do it because you had boxes of your books and you drove around and tried to hawk them right well even you know crumb sold zap originally i think out of a baby carriage on hate street so <laughs> that's what i've heard so you know but that's the way you gotta do it you gotta get out there but yeah it is kind of interesting um but then nowadays uh, nobody likes to buy any magazine or book it seems like but hey <laughs> um one thing i wanted to ask you about also is uh, you worked for mad for a few years how did that come about it was like in the 90s or maybe a little after that um it was like for about five years and you just did various things i i did illustrations for yeah. them and and doing illustrations is uh it's a good deal um for the artist because if you're the writer they can go like, oh, this isn't, and I've done, I, I, I've done some things that have not ever been published. I did something for, um, I think it's for Crazy or Cracked, I think. I did, a, I did a comic. I did a whole, I thought it was pretty good. And they're <laughs> like, can you make it funnier? 
Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't think I can make it funnier because yeah. I don't do that. It's <laughs> interesting. Know? It's I interesting you say that. that. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I interviewed Peter Bag uh, a while back, and uh, he, he worked for both Cracked and Mad. And when he worked for Cracked, he only was a writer, even though he's done a zillion comics since. And at Mad, he did like you. He only drew. He didn't write. And he says it was a lot easier at Mad not having to come up with the gag as well because they were so picky. So he's saying basically the same thing you're saying. So that's very interesting. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, so was that just uh, just something different to do or did you always if want to be in Mad? To, or... I was in Seattle. And if they had to do something about uh, coffee, they did something about coffee. I would illustrate it. They think of me because I was in Seattle and coffee, okay. that was this coffee capital of whatever. Right. And uh, and and working girl in the city, you know, <laughs> that was another thing. They think of me. So I, yeah. you know, to their credit, they they wanted to put they wanted to put females. They wanted to they'd go like, let's get a woman to illustrate this. And, yeah. and that's a and good the- thing. Yeah. And they did get a few at that time. I think it was uh, Teresa Parker's that was in there quite a few years. In fact, until probably very recently, I think. And uh, a few others, I can't think of them off the top of my head. But, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's just a shame where Mad's gone now. But then, of course, Lampoon's gone and everything else. So it's like, um, now, when I first contacted you, you may or may not remember this. I guess I told you. But, you know, it's like I did a, a two-volume book on the history of Crack Magazine. Uh, in 2011 and my uh, publisher asked me well what do you want to do next and I thought about it and I said maybe a national lampoon and I started asking around and I think I asked you can I interview you and you go yeah sure and then um, uh, somebody said oh yeah Rick Meyerowitz is working on a book which I'll show it here and so he did the drunk stone brilliant dead and it has some of your artwork in here and things like that and after I saw that, I said, I can't do a National Lampoon history book. This is better than anything I could do because he has access to all the artwork and everything else. So um, I never I did my Lampoon. I will try to think of an idea for you for a book. Okay. I never did my Lampoon book, but I'm actually working on a mad book right now. You know, it, was, it wasn't my idea, but, you know, my publisher says, please do a mad book. Please, please, please. Oh, that's great. Book. Who's your publisher? Uh, it's Bear Manor Media. He's been my publisher. They they publish a lot of uh, pop culture type books, usually about old movie stars and old uh, TV shows and things like that. But I tend to do like the animation and comic book history type books. So, oh, that's totally cool. I've done a Dennis the Menace book. I did a Patty Freeling book about Pink Panther, total television book about underdogs. So that's stuff I write. So And the cracked ones, so. Anyway, um, so tell me for the last question, uh, how did the Trots and Bonnie book that's coming out in May, how did that come about? Oh, well, I have known Norman Hathaway since he was like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, I was working with Bobby, London, down on the Seattle waterfront. We had this great old studio that was like, it was like the offices that you see in like detective movies or something with the, the woodwork and the glass, the frosted glass windows and stuff. 
and Norman just showed up at our door and introduced himself and um, I have been hanging out with him off and on ever since then and he's had this marvelous career as a he was he was first starting out he was doing sign painting here because mm -hmm. Seattle Seattle is a sign painting paradise and it was, it was really <laughs> yeah it was yeah it really a, a lot of um, um, beautiful sign painting was done started being done here where people were looking at what it turn of the century uh, advertising art and stuff and, and then carried that forward and it sort of was happening here so and that's the kind of stuff he was interested in doing so uh, he did that and um, he just has this great sensibility about design he ended up he got married he had a daughter he uh, they moved to uh, London mm -hmm. and he ended up working with Paul McCartney and doing design jobs I mean he's he's got a website Norman Hathaway mm -hmm. um, and you can see the kind of stuff that he does, but he's, and he, he um, curates books. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's the right word. I mean, he's the editor, he's the, almost the packager. He's the, he yeah. puts everything together and That'd work. <laughs> because he can do it all. And um, <laughs> so, so, and yeah, so we were, he, he said, you know, I really want to do a, a, a book with you. And he connected with New York Review of Comics, mm -hmm. these young guys who are who really believe and really love comics and really believe in in Norman. Norman works with uh, things and people who are more obscure, and I guess I've become obscure, which is kind of okay with me. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so. Um, so yeah, he just did it and um, he arranged for someone to photograph all my original art, which was really interesting. And <laughs> I created uh, Excel files um, of everything and, and had this Excel file of um, where we rated each, each page on what, how we valued it in terms of shall this go in the book or not. <laughs> and um, so, so three or four of us actually, you know, put in our numbers in terms of our, our rating. And then we, we came up with the, the strips that are in the book. Is it exclusively Trots and Bonnie or did you slip in it, some of the other ones? No, it, it's all Trots and Bonnie. It's called Trots and Bonnie. So, okay. <laughs> and um, yeah. Okay. And uh, so it's out in May. Who, who's publishing it? I mean, that's his name. Is that the name of his imprint? New York, or? New York Review of Comics. Oh, okay. Which okay. is an offshoot of New York Review of Books. Okay. So. Very cool. And uh, how how does one get one at this point, or do we just have to wait till May? Can you oh, it, order it in advance been, now? People have been pre-ordering it for a long time. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and it's you can pre-order it. I think almost anywhere. I think you can pre-order it at your local bookstore, which is what we like to encourage people to do. Okay. But um, what is that aggregate? Is it a Barnes and Noble? I definitely Amazon. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Those are the two biggies. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, can you order it directly from the publisher? Probably, right? Uh, Pre-order there, or do you know? 
I would have to ask them that. Okay. Well, <laughs> at, the, at the very least. <laughs> and and uh, um, if they wanted a signed copy or anything like that, I Thank mean. Thank you for uh, asking. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking was like, how am I going to explain this to you? Um, <laughs> I believe since it looks like I'm probably not going to be flying around and sitting in bookstores and breathing on people um, that uh, I'm going to do a a book plate. Oh, okay. Kind of like a book plate. I mean, book plates are traditionally like if you loan your books, you put a book plate in it. Right. It has your name on it. So they, they're reminded to return it to you, but we're going to do a version of that. And uh, where you would get in touch with me and I could sign the book plate or do a little drawing on it or something like that and then mail it back to you. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Different people have been doing different things on different books because, you know, I've been interviewing so many people in the pandemic. I interviewed Grant Geisman about an EC book. And if you bought from a certain uh, distributor, he had a tip-in sheet that you'd get that he signed. And uh, with BK, with his book, Obviously, I couldn't fly to where he is or anything like that anytime soon, and he's not going around. So I, I you know, worked out a deal so I could get some original art. So he gave me a little – he gave me more than I expected. I was just expecting to write his name in a little doodle. He drew this nice big thing for me. I was like, thanks, BK. Um, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like that's what I have to do now when, you know – you know, it's, it, you know, when you listen to the oldest shows of my podcast, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. And now it's like, no, I'm right here. <laughs> it's like, hopefully this will change, you know. But, uh, yeah, so that's why I asked, you know, how can people get in touch with you? How can they get a signed copy, uh, you know, and everything like that? I am really um, easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, all over the Internet. It's like there is way too much about me everywhere. But... <laughs> Oh, that's true. I got your website. I can even say it for you. It's www.sherryflanagan.com. It's as simple as that. <laughs> um, so anything else, any other projects coming down the line at this point, or you're just waiting for the Trouts and Bonnie book to come out? Um, you know, I, I'm really having fun working on Instagram. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I haven't, you know, I mean, I'm not one of those people who's doing things like twice a day. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm having fun um, posting stuff, you know, sometimes it's pictures of my dog now. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I do little Trots and Bonnie things. And, and it's cool. like, the cool thing about it is it's like publishing. So yeah. it's, at, you know, I was saying with the underground paper or whatever, you know, it's like 5,000 copies or 500 or whatever, putting it out there is uh, just still a real thrill for me. Wow, very good. Instagram works that way. Okay, well, that's all I have really to ask you today. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Sherry. I wish I could interview you. You're doing so many cool things. We could do another show. You can flip it around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, very good. And uh, you'll send me a copy of this, and then I can post it. You can post it right away. You don't have to hold it back. But, uh, you know, if you want to wait till I put it up, you know, it's going to be up sometime in January. So, if, you know, because I'm a little bit ahead right now. So. Oh, yeah. I think I would probably send it to um, my publishers. Okay. All right. And uh, send it to Norman, you know, the in crowd. Only the yes. in crowd. <laughs> 
Well, tell Norman, well, I'll say it myself. I'm very looking forward to the book. I really want to see a Trotsky <laughs> book. I, and I want it in English, not French. So, <laughs> so anyway. Thank you um, so much. Thank you very much for talking with me. And uh, it's been great. It has. It's been really fun. Thanks. Right. Again. Great questions. We'll talk soon. Okay. okay. Well, I will end the meeting then. Alrighty. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Have a good Thank you for listening, and thank you, Sherry Flanagan, for being my special guest. Episode number 104 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2021. Fun Ideas Productions, thank you and good night. I'm paying Be glad it isn't yours Now get up Crap Mountain 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 Get up That Don't fall back Don't fall back Don't fall back